I can't tell you how much a delight it is to walk in the pulpit and see the house full. Uh, for a few weeks, many of you have been traveling on vacation. We're glad to have you back home safe and sound, and we're glad to have a, a great audience this morning to be able to study God's Word together. What a pleasure to be able to read a book like the Gospel of John, to be able to have an eyewitness account of a person who traveled with Jesus during his personal ministry, heard all of those wonderful sermons that the Lord delivered, as well as to be able to be with him many times in a very personal way when the Lord prayed and when the Lord taught. He was a witness of Jesus' crucifixion sitting there at the foot of the cross, seeing Jesus' suffering and death. He also was a witness of Jesus raising being raised from the dead, and was a person able to have a close relationship with the Lord. And yet, as we study the book of John, we recognize that John does not give us every detail of what occurred. In fact, the very last verse, he says, and there were also many other things that Jesus did which are not written. Or he says, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. We do know that when we read the book of John, that there's one thing that he does not address. When you read Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, and Luke 24, 47 and following, you realize the Lord's great commission was given. And person might say, well, why didn't John give us the great commission to go into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature? Why did he not tell us that? And that's because John has a different focus. He's focusing on the preparation of the person. These people who are going to go out, what are they going to do now? How are you going to take ordinary men and turn them into extraordinary men? The first thing that you have to do with anyone, if you want to make them someone special, is you have to have their heart. If you'll remember in Matthew 6 and verse 21, Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He used a parable in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. He talked about a man who found treasure hidden in a field. And he took and he sold everything that he had to be able to buy that field. What is it going to take to take men like Peter and John and turn them into something special? Men who are going to be able to take that great commission and go out and change the world, which, by the way, they did. I'd suggest to you that the verses 15 through 17 of John 21 are extremely important. When the Lord asked the question, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Here's what we're going to do in our lesson. We're going to look, first of all, at the background we want to look and see the events leading up to this. Number two, we want to look at the meaning of verses 15 through 17. 
and their context and what the Lord was actually saying to Peter. And then finally, some application. Because we're not just reading Scripture just for information's sake. It ought to inspire us. It ought to encourage us. It ought to make us a better people. So let's begin now with the background. This is the Lord's third post-resurrection appearance. We read that in verse 14. Now this is the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The first time was on Sunday afternoon when the Lord came into the midst of the disciples in that room as they were gathered. The second occurrence was also in Jerusalem as they were assembled together, and this time Thomas was present. He wasn't present at the first occurrence. We do know that Jesus appeared several times during that 40 days from the time he rose from the dead until he ascended back. And we read in Acts 1 and verse 3 that he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. The Lord told them, to meet him in Galilee. We could spend a lot of time in the prophecy and the Lord's instructions to them. I'll just simply direct your attention to Matthew 28, three verses. Verse 7, he says, Go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and indeed he is going before you into Galilee. Verse 10, he says, Do not be afraid. Go and tell the brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. But when you get to verse 16, you have a little additional information. Then the eleven went away to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Notice there was a place where they were supposed to meet, and it was a mountain. They knew it, and he knew it. And so they make their journey to Galilee. Now, if you will... Let's go to John 21. Let's read verses 3 through 13. These are some important verses now. And we want to notice something as Peter is about to say, I'm going fishing. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat And that night caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, For they were not far from land, about 200 cubits, dragging the net with the fish. As soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it 
and bread. Then Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. And Simon Peter went and dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of them dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. And here's a real interesting question, in fact, an important one. When Peter said, I am going fishing, and the other said, We're going with you also, why? Did they just need some food? Obviously, they are now traveling. Are there people there who are going to provide for their needs? You know, Peter did live at Capernaum. His house was there. We also know that there are other disciples that were from that same general area. In fact, Peter and Andrew were partners with James and John in the fishing business, so it makes sense. Maybe they're just hungry. Or maybe they're planning on returning to their former occupation. You see, now Jesus has risen from the dead. He said, I'll meet you in Galilee, but what comes next? The Great Commission has not yet been given. Oh, it's there, but if you read carefully Matthew and Mark's and Luke's account along with Acts chapter 1, you realize that it's going to come just a little bit later. What's next? Well, I'd suggest to you that here is Peter and he needs to be prepared. And one of the things Peter needs is to see himself as who he really is. Peter has always been this guy that when you're in the audience, he's the guy to speak up first. It doesn't matter if he's right or if he's wrong. He's always going to be the guy that speaks up first. Sometimes he'll say things like, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Jesus said, I say to you, Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Sometimes in the same chapter he says, Far be it from you, Lord, and Jesus said, Get behind me, Satan. Peter could be the guy who was right on target, and he could be the guy that missed it terribly. But you see, Peter had this long history of speaking out first. And Peter had said back earlier that he was willing to give everything. In fact, for just a moment, let's, let's explore Mark's account in Mark 14, verses 27 through 31. And then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and all the sheep will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, even if all are made to stumble, yet I will not be. And Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you that today, even this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he spoke more vehemently, 
If I have to die with you, I will not deny you. Now, Peter's pretty certain at this point. Lord, I don't care what everybody else does. I will stand by you even if it takes my death. In Luke 22, verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned unto me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, that the rooster will not crow this day before three times. You will deny that you know me or deny three times that you know me. It's remarkable that Peter is so certain at this point, Lord, you know that I'm with you all the way, even to the end. Well, that's going to lead us into verses 15 through 17. And what that leads us into is Lord's confrontation with Peter. So let's let's read this section again. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, here is one of those situations where it's difficult to go from one language to another. Because in our English language, we use the word love to describe a lot of different situations. We talk about we love our family. We talk about the love that exists between a husband and a wife. Sometimes we may say, I love fried chicken. All three of those express a little bit different idea. In this passage, John uses two different Greek words that have similar meanings but not identical meanings. In fact, there's a little bit of distinction in between the words in the level of them and in the purpose of them. For instance, and I know you've heard this before, the Greek word agape is the highest form of love. It's the kind of love that seeks the other person's greatest benefit. It is a sacrificial love, the kind that says, I will give up my desires, I will give up my benefit for yours. I will sacrifice for you. The second word is the word philia. And it's 
for instance, they're part of the word Philadelphia. And it's often called the city of brotherly love. And it's a lesser form of love. It doesn't mean it's not important. It's not significant. It's a close word like friendship. Someone loves someone else. That means they enjoy their presence and they take delight in it. Well, if in this passage, John uses the two words recording what Jesus said, Jesus said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Using the word agape, sacrificial, giving love. He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love. And this time, Peter uses the word philia. In other words, do you love me with the highest love, Peter? Lord, you know that I love you like a friend. The second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he uses the word agape again. And Peter responds the second time, Lord, you know that I love you like a friend. The third time, now notice the subtle change here. Peter, do you love me like a friend? Do you love me with that philia? Do you really love me? Are you really my friend? And Peter was grieved at that. This time, Peter won't proclaim his loyalty. He won't say, I will stand where others will not. He had learned a lesson. You remember Romans 12, verse 3 says, For everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Is it possible that any of us could get to the point where we think we're stronger than we are, more talented than we are, greater than we are? Evidently, Peter did. He won't do it now. Perhaps he remembered Luke 18 as the Lord taught about the Pharisee and the publican going up to the temple to pray. And he talked about the uh, tax collector, the publican, who just beat himself on the breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He said, I tell you that this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. Peter perhaps is looking at this and saying, you know what? I'm not going to proclaim something that I'm not. But now let's return to the passage. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? These what? Possibly he's referring to the other disciples. Do you remember Mark 14? He said, even though everyone else deserts you, Lord, I want. Do you love me more than these other disciples love me? Perhaps that's embarrassing to Peter because he's already said that he did. There's another possibility. Do you love me more than these? There's 153 large fish. Peter knew how to fish. Peter had occupation with his brother Andrew, with their two partners, James and John. They knew how to fish. They knew how to make a living at that. Peter, do you love me more than these? Are you willing to leave your occupation 
Are you willing to be a fisher of men rather than a fisher of fish? Either one of those certainly would draw attention to it. Peter was humbled because of his failure to live up to the promise that he made. Oh, do you remember Ecclesiastes 5, 4, and 5? When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for God does not take pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better it is that you should not vow, that you should vow and not pay. Now let's look at the third part of this. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Well, then he tells him to do something. And again, just like with the words love, there's going to be a subtle shift between the words that he uses to talk about feed and tend. And there's going to be a subtle shift between the words lambs and sheep. You see, the lambs were small, newborn sheep. You remember 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2? As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Or Matthew 18. You think about what he said. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray, what does he do? He leaves the ninety and nine. He goes out and he finds it and he rejoices over it more than the sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Now listen carefully to verse 14. Even so, it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Does God care about the lambs? The babies in the faith. Absolutely he does. I want you to feed my lambs. What about the sheep? The sheep are the more mature. In 1 Peter 2.25, For you were like sheep going astray, but now return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You see, it's not just the babies that go astray. Sometimes it's the grown lambs that grow up to become sheep that go astray. And just like he talks about Jesus being the shepherd and overseer of our souls, Peter goes on to talk about in 1 Peter chapter 5, the elders who are among you I exhort whom a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. What Peter recognizes is he had a job to serve as an overseer as well. Oh, we could spend a lot of time talking about the job that he gave Peter to do. But what he's doing, he's preparing these men. And at this point, Peter, in specific case, for the important role of feeding and teaching and tending and shepherding God's flock. Now, I want you to go back to the text with me. Let's pick up with verse 18. And verse 19. 
Because in preparing Peter, you know, Peter had said that he would go to the Lord with death and the Lord's answer is, Peter, you are. Most assuredly, I say to you that when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Now look up for just a moment. Just pause for just a second. If you did not have verse 19, you might think that what he's saying is when you get old, you can't always go where you want to go. Somebody's going to have to take you there. And you may can't always put on your clothes like you want to put on your clothes. Somebody will have to gird you and put it on for you. That's part of it. That phrase, you will stretch out your hands, is a figure of speech. When we say, well, he met his Waterloo, oh, that's a, a figure of speech saying that he met his end, he met his demise. When you say that someone will stretch out their hands, that's a reference to being crucified. Now look at verse 19. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Which, by the way, is what the Lord told him when he started with him. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, for just a few moments, and it will have to be quickly, let's talk about some application. What if Jesus were to put us on the spot about our love for him? And I know you're already thinking, well, that's, you know, that's sort of generic there. But after breakfast, the Lord took Peter and he taught him, he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Listen to 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 22. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. You don't love the Lord, you're accursed. Listen to Matthew chapter 10, 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. How much do you love the Lord? That is the essence of the question. Simon, do you love me with this sacrificial love? Lord, you know that I love you like a friend. Let me ask you a question. If you had to answer that question right now, how would you answer? Lord, ask you, do you love me with a sacrificial love? You say, yeah, Lord, I love you enough to come on Sunday morning. But let's don't ask me to come on Sunday night, Wednesday night. Lord, you ask you, do you love me? Lord, yes, you know I love you, but I'm sorry, I can't do this, and I can't do this, and I won't do this. John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. John 15, 14, you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. 1 John 5, 2 and 3, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not 
burdensome. If you look at God and you say, I don't want to do this. It's a drudgery. It's a burden for me. You don't love God. Because a sacrificial love will do what is required because you want to. The second observation or application is there must be the care for those who need teaching and tending. For a moment, let me be very blunt. Young people and those young in the faith need patience and patient teaching. In Matthew 18 and verse 10, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Do you know that God is looking down and how you and I treat those little ones? Romans 14, 13 through 15. Don't put a stumbling block in front of a brother. If you do that, you don't love him. You don't love God. Romans 14, 21. It is good neither eat meat nor drink wine or do anything through which your brother stumbles or is offended or made weak. 1 Corinthians 10, 32. Give no offense either to the Jews or the Greeks or to the church of God. Folks, we ought to be the kind of people say... I love God enough, I'm not going to do anything that will hurt another soul. God gave godly elders to be able to watch for the souls under their care. Obey those who have the rule over you. Be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. It's those who must give an account. When an elder comes to you and says, I'm concerned about your spiritual direction, folks, pay attention. It's for your benefit. It's to get you to heaven. In Acts 20, verses 28 through 31, he tells the elders to take heed to yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And souls will be need, need to be recovered. James five nineteen through 21. Brethren, if any one of you wanders from the truth and one converts him or turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way shall save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Now let's draw it all to, to a conclusion here. Let's finish up the book of John. Let's look at verses 20 through 22. Because I know the tendency of all of us. We look at someone else and we say, yeah, I'm better than them. Or what about them? What about their needs, their difficulties? The Lord has just told Peter, do you love me, Peter? If you do, follow me. Let's look at verses 20 through 22. Peter, turning round, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who also had leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You 
follow me. Here's the problem, folks. We're too concerned with somebody else and their love for God. Let's don't do anything other than just focus right now on our own selves. Because we each will give an account individually before God. Romans 14, 12, so each of us shall give an account of himself to God. We'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. If Jesus were to put you on the spot, how would you fare? If he looked and said, Tony, do you love me more than these? Or your name, and you say, well, one day he will. One day he will. If you'll take your songbooks and let's prepare to sing the invitation song. If you need to respond to become a New Testament Christian because you believe that Jesus is the Christ, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith, will assist you in being baptized. If you are a child of God and you know you're not ready for eternity, old soul, don't wait too long. Would you come while we stand and sing?